0: Today I want to kick off a brand new series called Strapped, because everywhere we turn there is credit card debt, there is college loan debt, there is debt, 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 and wherever there is debt, 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 there is stress, 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 and God wants us to get out of the prison or get out of that cell of financial oppression, amen? So today we're going to kick off a brand new teaching series to help us to get unstrapped and to get away from those things that are so destructive in our life. Um, Psychologists tell us that 40 million Americans struggle struggle with anxiety related disorders and financial worries are a massive trigger um, for these individuals. Uh, People who struggle with debt are more than twice as likely to suffer from depression according to the University of Nottingham in the England So, how do we begin to break free from these struggles? God has so much he wants to say to us today about this powerful topic. And all throughout scripture, faith and finances go together. Faith and finances go together. Um, In Genesis chapter 14, we find a powerful story of Abram. Abram is uh, this great uh, patriarchal leader in the book of Genesis. He sets pace for us today as the father of faith. He is the father of the nation of Israel. He's the hero of the uh, early parts of the book of Genesis. And uh, Abraham understood some powerful things about, about finances. He understood about how to live a life that was unstrapped and a life of freedom. And I want us to look at this story from Genesis chapter 14, where Abram does something that is very unexpected. Uh, he's called Abram early in his life. He's called Abraham later in his life because God promised that he would be the father of a great nation, and he changed his name. But in Genesis 14, he's, he's Abram. Abram has a, a nephew named Lot, and Lot kind of wanted to do his own thing. So he moved to the Sin City capital of the world, a.k.a. Uh, Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah. He moved to Sodom. Sodom is overtaken by five rival kings and they carried Lot and many of the other inhabitants of the city of Sodom off and along with the plunder of the city. Well, Abram hears about this and he thinks, I'm going to go rescue my nephew. You know, I'm kind of ticked that he moved to Sodom to start with because I told him he shouldn't live in Sodom. But he did it anyway and he's in trouble. So he goes and rescues him. So he goes and defeats the five rival kings and he takes all of the plunder from the victory... And he has a powerful, a powerful choice to make in regards to what he does with all of those resources. And in and through this story, I want us to see some powerful things about faith and about finances. Abram understood what it was to give. He understood how he could be a generous person. And as a result of that, God began to free his heart and he began to learn some great things about how God operates and how God works. Let's look at Genesis chapter 14 together. And if you want to open your Bibles or your devices to Genesis 14, there's a battle and then there is uh, an opportunity. An opportunity for, for Abram uh, to give. And uh, I believe that tithing... And generosity is God's gateway to financial provision. Now it sounds kind of like the opposite of that. Many times we think about giving and we think about having less. But what we want to see today is that actually through giving, sometimes God begins to give us more. God begins to actually give us more opportunity than what we've had. And so let's look at this together. Um, Three things today related to giving and tithing that help us to get unstrapped from the prison cell of oppression that we feel when it comes to debt and managing money. Um, first of all, tithing honors Jesus. And you may think, well, what does Genesis 14 have to do with Jesus? Because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary in the Gospels, right? But what's interesting is that in Genesis Chapter 14, we actually find a visitation from heaven and and the Lord Jesus Christ is there, but he's there in a different form. Um, This is called a Christophany. And Christophanies, if I can just be theological with you for a few minutes, are appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, how is that possible? Because Jesus always was. Um, Jesus was not born... In the Gospels, Jesus always has been. He just came as the Son of God to the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But that's why in Genesis chapter 1 that it says when God created the heavens and the earth, it talks about the we, because God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And throughout the Old Testament, there are times when Jesus pops up. Okay, in Joshua chapter 4, before the first battle, um, there in the book of Joshua, uh, Jesus appears to Joshua and gives him courage to go and fight. In uh, uh, the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace. And there's three guys that are thrown in, but they see four. And that's believed to be the Lord Jesus. Here, this man named Melchizedek is a visitation from heaven. It is the Lord Jesus. Now, how is that the case? Look with me, if you would, because he begins to have a conversation with this interesting character, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, king of Salem, verse 18 says, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God, most high, and he blessed him, and he said, Abram is blessed by God, most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who had handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram honors the priest by bringing the tithe. He honors Jesus by bringing the tithe, this man by the name of Melchizedek. Everybody say, Melchizedek. All right, not to be confused with Mephibosheth. (laughs) Mephibosheth, he's another biblical character. Melchizedek. I'm going to teach you today. Maybe a guy that you haven't thought a lot about. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And he honors. You know, when we give, we honor. When we have a relationship with somebody, a relationship is built on honor, is it not? A marriage is built on honor. Friendships are built on honor. Um, I've learned the greatest way that I can honor my wife is to buy her shoes. She loves it. When we first got married, I thought, you know, if you have three or four pairs of shoes, you're good. My wife has taken over the closet. There's so many different types of shoes. There's, there's booties and there's boots. Did you know that? Right? There's all kinds, there's heels, there's wedges, and there's platforms and stilettos. Okay, you you gotta know the difference. Uh, There's pumps. See, I didn't know all this when I was a single guy, I had no idea, you know? There's workout shoes that you wear to be cued in, but you don't exercise in. (laughs) And that's not even to mention the different textures and colors of the shoes. Come on, am I speaking anybody's love language today? Amen. Amen, yeah. And so you got to show honor, you got to show honor to your wife by getting her some shoes. It's true. Guys, take your wife to the mall after church. Somebody just thought, "I love this church. I'm coming back next week." Well, we honor by giving, don't we? You know what? We honor God, we honor Christ when we give. We show respect, we show reverence, we show appreciation, we show admiration. Think about the great things that God has done in your life, and the response should lead us to want to be generous. That's kind of a natural thing. Like, if somebody has blessed you, is it not natural to say, I would like to bless them back? And and here, Abram has this, this this great windfall. He defeats these five evil kings. He has all the plunder, and what does he do? He wants to come and to bring a tithe to this Priest Melchizedek. Now, how do we know that Melchizedek is Jesus? Let's download that for just a moment. This Christophany. Um, First of all, he was referred to as a priest of the Most High God and a king. So he gets two titles, and nobody in the Bible gets two titles—priest and king—except the Lord Jesus and Melchizedek, right here. Um, And the only person that tried to be a priest and a king was King Saul. And he was killed in battle because he tried to play the the role of priest. It didn't work out so well for him. And Jesus is both the king of kings who rules in the heavens, and at the same time, he is the priest who never ceases to make intercession on our behalf. He is both priest and king. And that's what we see here in Melchizedek's experience. He is the priest of the Most High God, and he is the king of Salem, also known in later times as Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But also in Hebrews chapter 7, Melchizedek doesn't have any parents. Amen? I mean, this is like, this is like you know, the, the recipe here for divinity. Look at this. Hebrews 7.1 For Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of God most high, met Abram or Abraham and blessed him and returned from defeating the kings. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name was means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So Melchizedek, he was not born, and he didn't die, and he is a priest forever. Do you see the connection? It gets even better. Melchizedek in the Old Testament is referred to as as one without any days. Now he also uh, gives a word of prophecy here because he offers Abram bread and wine. This is the first communion in the Bible. Okay, It didn't start in the upper room. It, It started right here in Genesis 14. Melchizedek offers Abram both bread and wine and Melchizedek foreshadows the broken body of the Lord Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Uh, So this is why we bring tithes to Jesus. Just as Abraham tithed as an expression of gratitude for what Jesus would do, we tithe as an expression of gratitude for what Jesus has already done. And anyone who has a problem with tithing needs to take a trip to Calvary and remember what Christ has done on our behalf. Because when we look at that, we want to bring honor. Now, how do we bring honor? He talks about the tithe, the tenth portion. Sometimes we think about uh, a tithe as any donation or any gift. But actually, in the Bible, the word tenth, tithe, is synonymous, so the, the definition of a tithe is 10%. What we give above that is an offering, tithes and offerings. And the house of God is financed by tithes and offerings. Everything that we do here at the church is, comes through tithes and offerings. Uh, we finance the church that way. We don't, we don't have angels that put money in the bank account on the 30th of every month. It comes through the tithes and through the offerings. And you know what? This is such a great opportunity for us to live by faith and to honor Jesus, to honor Him. Because we love Him, we have an opportunity to express that in and through our giving as an act of worship. And this is exactly what Abram did. He brought that tithe. Um, I've been told there are three types of people in a church. Tithers, tippers and takers <laughs> takers are people that want everybody to serve them a tip is if the message was good and maybe the band played the right notes and the singing was good there's a there's a tip but 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 the tithe the tithe is where god wants us to work towards he wants us to be people who are courageously living by faith and and bringing that sacred tenth just like Melchizedek received from Abram. And it honors Jesus. Now, it does a second thing for us. It also, it also keeps us grounded. The tithe keeps us grounded. You ought to write this down on your notes because it says here in verse 19 of Genesis 14, he blessed him and he said, Abraham, Abram is blessed by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So he brings the tithe, and it keeps him grounded. Well, what keeps him grounded? Abram realized that that Melchizedek, Jesus here, that God had kept him protected over his enemies, and he recognized that God was the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that he was the one that had blessed him. It kept him grounded. Now, sometimes we go down the path of thinking that everything that we have is a result of us. Whatever I have, that's what I've accomplished. That's what I've done. I'm a self-made person. I'm a self-made man. But everything that we have ultimately is from God. And if we believe that what we have is only because of us then giving will always be a burden. If we realize that what we have is a blessing from God, and God has, has uniquely and, and, and wonderfully given us certain things, then being generous is like the natural response. It's like what we do because it just makes sense, right? Yeah, it's logical. Abram realizes this. God gave me victory over my enemies. God is the creator. Of course I want to bring the tithe. Of course I do. It keeps me grounded. The tithe reminds me that it is not all about me, that this is what belongs to God. And Abram recognizes God's ownership over all things. Um, I've heard it say that the tithe belongs to the Lord. But it is also true that everything ultimately belongs to the Lord. Because without the Lord, we would have nothing. So ultimately, it is all His. We're more stewards than we are owners. And in uh, Psalm 24, 1, um, the, the psalmist said, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 10, For every animal... Of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. God says, you know what, all the livestock is mine. Haggai uh, chapter 2 verse 8, the silver and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. It all belongs to him. The land that I live on, the water that I drink, the food that I eat, the money that I spend, everything that I have ultimately belongs to God and God has just given us a great opportunity he's just shared it with us it all belongs to him now every time we have increase we have two kings that we can serve and if you look back at Genesis 14 Melchizedek is the king of Salem he's there Abram is there and there's also a third guy and that's the king of Sodom and the king of Sodom his name's Berah. everybody say Berah. And Barah says to Abram, listen, man, you rescued me. Keep all the money for yourself. You're a self-made man. Good job, buddy. Keep it all. And then Melchizedek, though, is there, the priest of the Most High God. And Abram says, you know what? I'm going to bring a tithe to the priest of the Most High God, and then I'm just going to let everybody else have everything else. Now, why would he do that? He says the reason that he doesn't keep the spoils of war is he doesn't want people to think that he's wealthy just because of what he's done. He wants everybody to understand that, 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 that what he has is a result of the gift of God. And I think that every time that we get a paycheck, every time that we have a payday, every time that we have some kind of increase, we can serve The king of Sodom, self, self self-interest, me, my way. Or we can serve the prince of peace, the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. We choose which king we will follow, which path that we will get on. And one will turn our heart and ignite our faith towards God. And one will make us selfish and self-indulgent. And that's why God has given us the great opportunity to bring those tithes, to honor Jesus and to keep us grounded, to let us not begin to think just about ourselves, but to see what God wants to do in and through us. Check out this third thing. It also, the tithe prepares me for the blessings of God. Now if you go on into the next chapter, Genesis 15:1 describes Abraham in this way. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Now some of us today are thinking, man, I I would really like to be a tither. I would really like to give, but I'm afraid. I feel vulnerable. Has anybody ever felt that way? Why is it with money that we can feel more vulnerable than almost anything else? It's true, isn't it? Money can just leave us feeling so exposed. And that's why it's, the, it's like one of the most sensitive things. I think that's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because giving is more about heart than it is about how much money we have. It really is. And, and Jesus wants our heart. He wants our full devotion. But Abram is blessed. And throughout scripture, giving and blessing always go together. They always go together. It's it's just a really interesting connection that's there. Um, A lot of people want to tithe, admire tithing, think about tithing, think that they should tithe. But sometimes getting there is, is a little difficult. I love this concept in Genesis 15:1, where it says I am your shield did you know that God is your protector when you begin to step out in faith when you begin to say I want to bring the sacred tenth I want to be a tither I want to walk in faith God will be your shield God will protect you God will lead you God God's got a plan for you don't don't, don't feel like you're just exposed by yourself and that you're vulnerable and that, the, the, you know, there's nobody there to help. God is a shield. God is a shield. Um, one of our single moms sent, sent a text to me about their experience a few years ago uh, related to this concept of the shield. And, um, and now she's married and, you know, has a family and everything like that. But a few years ago, this was a, a different situation. She came to the church and started hearing about tithing. And, and she thought, I can't tithe because I don't have any money and I'm a single mom and I'm struggling and I'm just trying to make the ends meet and all that. But she decided that, hey, I, w- I want to give this a shot. I want to put God first. So here's what happened. Um, Right after she started tithing, she got child care for free from somebody in the church who offered to keep her son. And uh, he was able to actually spend the night with the family a couple of nights a week and take him to school. So she started working the night shift, making extra income, working the night shift. And then she didn't have to pay for child care. So now her expenses have gone down and her income has gone up. But it gets better. Uh, Not too long after that, she got a promotion to lead supervisor and then to manager. She also had $5,000 on a credit card. And uh, a short time after that, she got a letter saying that they had charged her incorrectly with the interest and that the balance was $37, not $5,000. Hallelujah, somebody said. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, And then it was tax time. And she thought she owed $2,000 to the IRS and she was looking in her email for some information about one of our small groups here at the church and she found a a letter from her school because she was taking some college courses and um, she was able to forward that letter to her accountant and she found out that actually that she was getting $2,000 back Not that she owed $2,000, but that she was getting $2,000 back on her taxes. And she said she gave that money to the church. Is that awesome, guys? Is that amazing? Come on, can we just celebrate today the faithfulness of God? Now, look, I can't promise you today that if you start tithing, you're going to have the exact same story. I have found that God works in different people's lives in different ways. But I'll tell you what is always true is that God is always faithful. God is a shield, God is our protector. And when you begin to operate in faith, and when you begin to do the things that God has said for you to do, good things begin to happen. It's just the nature and the heart of God. I don't fully understand it. I don't fully know how this whole thing works out. I just know that God has a way of blessing people who are faithful. And when we bring the tithe, guess what? God is a shield. God, God begins to open up some doors of opportunity. God begins to bless us. and God just begins to do some things. Now, Abram prospered in a lot of ways. He was a very wealthy man, but he also prospered because he had a lot of descendants. And if you read the story of Abram, him and his wife had massive fertility problems. But God had given him a promise he was going to be the father of a great nation. So how can you be the father of a great nation if you can't even have children? <laughs> But God provided, and he did, and they ultimately had a son named Isaac through some pretty supernatural means. And Abraham was promised, it was promised to him that he would have more descendants than the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach, and I would say God's been pretty faithful to that with the nation of Israel and uh, all the descendants that Abraham has had, Uh, a forefather of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God has been so good. Um... In and through that. But God, God promised that to him. Abram's heart was yielded to God. I, I love Genesis 28, 20. Jacob, it is said that he brought a tithe. Um, and Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. It was Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Now where do you think Jacob learned to bring tithes? Probably Father Abraham, granddad, Amen. How awesome would it be to see your kids and grandkids bringing tithes, turning their hearts to to the Lord, and doing what you've done? That that is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Um, So the the, the connection between tithing and blessing. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. This is what the prophet said in Malachi 3. Will a man rob God, (coughs) yet you are robbing me? How do, how do we rob you, you ask, by not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions? You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies, and see if, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Again, do you see the connection Tithing and blessing. Blessing and tithing. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and I will bless the people that will bring the tithe. It's just a spiritual principle that God has given to us. So let me ask you this. Do you believe in these things in the Bible? Um, do, do, do we believe in salvation through Jesus Christ? Okay, Yeah, most of us would say, yeah, absolutely. Um, God, do we believe that God loves us? Okay, yeah. Do we believe that God forgives sins? Yeah. Do we believe that God extends grace and mercy to us? Yeah. Most of us will say, Yeah, I think I think I do. I hope you do. Um, then why is it that we don't believe what the Bible says about tithing? I mean, I know Christians that will go all the way to the wall for these things, but are scared to death to tithe. Why can we we not just let God direct all of our beliefs and and all of our ideas? Why do we believe some things and then not believe the other things? Let's let God work and move in our hearts, and let's just see what God will do. Let's check it out. I I got an email from one of our uh, church members, Haley Foster, sent this over on Sunday, and she wanted to share her story. Haley grew up going to church, but she had never been a tither until she came to Edge Church. And this is what she said in her email. I've heard your message on how God will bless me and be my provider. I had trouble really trusting that until a little while ago. I found out that my company was closing within the next year, and I would be out of a job. I came to church one day, and I don't remember the exact message, but... The gist of it was that God would be my provider if I would praise him and I would bring the tithe and that God would take care of me. I decided to take a leap and start giving the full 10% while I still had a job. It was scary, but I made a few adjustments and it was doable. All right, here's the worst time, okay? Okay, this is man's perspective. <laughs> I'm losing my job. I want to start giving, okay? <laughs> you know, But you know what? In the economy of God, what a great time. What a great time. So listen to her experience. She made some adjustments. She started tithing. She still had the job. The first thing that happened was I was given more responsibilities at work, and I received a title change. And at first I wasn't happy about that, but I later discovered that I was considered essential personnel when I got the promotion, and I was entitled to bonuses the longer I stayed. Over the next six months, I was given three different bonuses. And those bonuses gave me the peace of mind to not panic. Now, all this happened after she started tithing. You know, she starts getting promotions, okay? The company's going under, but she's getting promoted. Okay. Um, Those gave me the peace of mind that I needed to not panic. Now, I had a little cushion in case it took me a while to find another job. I didn't need it, though. I found one of the best jobs I'd ever had, and it's been a great change. And I found the job very quickly. I still have some money worries, but it's different now. I can trust that God has my back and that he will provide for me and I will always have enough. I praise him for that by giving back what he has given to me so that more people can hear about his great love. Thank you, Pastor Ryan and Edge Church. Is that wonderful, church? Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's just celebrate that. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. God has a way. God God just moves and works and does things that we don't even know how to explain it or what it is. But God prepares us for blessing. God prepares us for blessing. He keeps me grounded. Um, it, It honors Jesus. That's why God wants us to bring the tithe. And you know what? God gave us the first tithe, his first and best, in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ. God gave his best to us. Jesus was the tithe of God. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave, and he did so because he loved you. Would you bow with me for just a moment?